वसुदेवसुत कंसचाणोरमर्दनम देवकी परमानंदम कृष्णम वंदे जगद्गुरु so we are on the 11th chapter of the bhagavad gita which is called vishwarupa darshana yoga the yoga of the vision of the cosmic form of god what is that about um at the risk of repeating myself but we have had so many interruptions it's good to repeat these concepts a background to this chapter different stages of understanding of god so one is you begin with worship of god in one concept one form one name so for example for me god is krishna suppose and i also have a particular um, conception of the form of krishna the life of krishna and the name krishna this is god for me this is god if you give me a different concept i would say no that's not correct this is god um so god the worship of god in one form one conception one name one mythology then uh, it's at this point you will notice that all fanaticism also comes at this point um, then there is talk of the one true god all false gods all of this comes because of this the next deeper understanding is that all of these forms and conceptions and names in which god is worshiped with form without form various kinds of forms various names uh, whether it is rama or krishna or uh, shiva or the divine mother devi durga durga is going to be worshiped soon a few minute a few days um and so on or ganesha or whatever it is or the christian god father in heaven or muslim god allah whatever it is all of them are the same reality this is a second conception of god the same reality which is capable of being expressed and worshiped in many many forms form forms mean conceptions many many conceptions many many ways in different religions in different sects of the same religion so all of us we are worshiping the same god so at this stage this the second level uh, this is called saguna brahman brahman with attributes ishwara bhagavan So suppose I I was worshiping Krishna and I go to this second level of understanding a deeper understanding then what do I do I can still consider I I still can continue to worship Krishna as I was worshiping earlier no difference but now I understand the one who is worshi- worshiping Rama or Rama Krishna or Jesus or um you know the Shiva various conceptions of of um, of god in different religions uh, Durga the christian or jewish or islamic conceptions any one of them they are all worshiping the same reality there is only one reality at this level the idea of this god or that god a christian god or hindu god does not make any more sense the idea of a true god and a false god does not make any more sense there is only one god so which is true or which is false what would be false at the most if you say it's false you might say that it's a wrong conception of god you have got but you can't say your god is false because if you are worshiping god you are worshiping the same reality there is only one god uh, so this is the second level second level now it is the third level an even greater uh, 
and more magnificent understanding of God. There's a third level which we are talking about in the 11th chapter. What is this third level? Um, it is the vision of God as this cosmos. Here, what we are experiencing. The entire universe. How does this work? For this we have to understand the uh, nature of God and the universe in Vedanta. In Vedanta, God is said to be the cause of this universe. The exact phrase is abhinna nimitta upadana karana. Brahman, God, is the one undivided, intelligent and material cause of the universe. The one undivided, intelligent and material cause of the universe. What does intelligent and material cause mean? Like a potter, for example. So the clay by with which the pot is made is the material. The wood with which the table is made is the material. And the intelligent cause would be the potter who makes the pot. It would be the carpenter who makes the table. But here you notice the intelligent cause and the material cause are different. The potter is different from the clay. Whereas in Vedanta, it is said that the material cause and intelligent cause are one and the same. It is the same Brahman which appears as this universe or in some schools of Vedanta is transformed into this universe and it is the same Brahman which is the intelligence consciousness behind this universe in the production maintenance and dissolution of this universe the cosmic cycle of Srishti Sthiti Pralaya projection maintenance and dissolution of the universe so God is the material is the cause intelligent and material cause and I've explained earlier on other occasions, how is it possible for the same thing to be the intelligent cause and the material cause? The example of the spider is given. The spider spins a web. So the web is produced from the body of the spider. So the body of the spider is, in a sense, the material of the web. But the spider as an intelligent being, as a sentient being, is the intelligent cause also of the web because it designs and spins the web. It's an example. So God is the intelligence behind this universe and God is the material also from which this universe is produced. Where am I leading with all this? Notice one thing. The material cause is present in the effect. If the table is made of wood, then where is the wood? Here. Touch wood. Right? Here in the table. If the pot is made of clay, where is the clay now when you see the pot? There. Right there itself. If uh, the universe is made of God, where is God? Here. In the universe itself. So that is an amazing insight. Of course, it works only because this uh, the idea of causality, the material and uh, intelligent cause being one, and out of that the universe is produced. If you hold on to that, then only this, this works. So this cosmos is God. But be carefully. Uh, it's not God in the sense of pantheism. Theism, pantheism, theism is that God exists and God is the creator of this universe. And God is omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient, all of that. But pantheism says this universe and the creator God are one and the same. God is this universe, literally. Vedanta does not say God is this universe, literally. I mean, if you say God, God is this universe, literally then God would be a table or a chair uh, or, or an ant or an elephant. Not in that sense. But all of these exist because they get their reality from God. God provides the reality to this universe. So what would be the closest term in English for this kind of a theory? 
it's not pantheism the early indologists they said that the hindus were pantheists that god is this universe it's close but not at all correct um another term was suggested panentheism i was looking it up in stanford encyclopedia of philosophy in other places but also is doesn't quite suit um the idea of god in vedanta is god is the transcendent and immanent in the in the universe god is beyond this universe and god somebody's phone is buzzing could <laughs> you should check no um god is immanent in this universe and transcendent transcendent means god is beyond this universe beyond time space causation but also here immanent is also here in and through this universe so now what do you do with this in in that case if god is here in this universe present in this universe then when you are seeing this universe you are actually seeing god when you are seeing this table you are seeing the wood when you are seeing the un- uh, the ocean you are seeing water when you are seeing pottery you are seeing the clay also automatically we are experiencing god when we experience the universe and yet we are doing it in ignorance we don't see it as as god we see it as um, you know tables and chairs and elephants and ants and so on so this is the new conception deeper conception which is this that uh, this entire universe is the form of god the entire universe you can say is the body of god this works only if you regard god as immanent in the universe that is in the universe now that is not enough you might say all right i have understood it is that what is meant by the vision of the universal form i have understood that in some sense god is the material of the universe so just as the material continues the wood continues in the table the clay continues in the pottery similarly god continues in this universe i have understood it is this what is meant here now i understand this is god no we may understand that but we still don't really feel that this is god we feel this is the same old world and i have a new conception about this world so what is required is an actual experience a mystical experience of the cosmos as divine and that's what arjuna asked for and krishna will say that you cannot see it with these eyes that means what you can understand it just as we have understood this third conception of god what are the three conceptions god as an individual a specific one particular god we worship second god as that which is worshiped in every form in every religion in whatever conception you have got of god it's one god and third the universe itself is the cosmic form of god how is this in advance because remember as long as we are talking about even the first conception second conception both are uh, matters of belief both are matters of belief and there is a god called vishnu in the heaven called vaikuntha and all right i can even accept one god is appearing as the god of all religions and all but all of that is still belief but this universe is not a matter of belief we are continuously experiencing it now in if you understand this universe as god then you are continuously experiencing god and that is a huge step forward that also removes the distinction between the sacred and the secular what you consider to be the secular becomes the sacred immediately this universe this is secular um vedanta society is sacred outside in manhattan central park is secular no 
the whole thing becomes permeated by the divine the whole thing becomes sacred nivedita writes henceforth no division between the sacred and the secular uh, to work is to pray she says then every activity in the world also becomes spiritual then with that understanding um so that is the advantage in this uh, vision of the cosmic form but then it's just this understanding itself is not enough uh, so krishna will tell arjuna that you need uh, you need a special eyes to see this with these eyes you may understand that this universe is god but you will still see this universe you will still not see the universe as god you will see the universe the way you used to see it, see it the way you used to see it, we see it now after this new understanding of god we'll still see the same thing we'll experience the same thing but arjuna wants to know if i can actually this universe i'll see it and i will know i'm seeing god and i will i will actually experiencing experience the whole thing as the body of god this is called vishwarupa darshana the the mystical experience of god in the cosmic form another name for one name is vishwarupa one is virat virat literally means the vast all right so he will give him that mystical experience and what is that mystical experience what did arjuna ex- experience the 11th chapter is a very poetic rendering of what arjuna saw by the way even this third conception is not the end of it beyond this lies the advaitic realization i am that you are that tattvamasi that's one step beyond but right now we are in the theistic phase of the bhagavad gita chapters if you remember chapters 7 to 12 are the six chapters the central the middle six chapters they're chapters about god about ishwara bhagavan first six chapters chapters about the self you what you really are and the last six chapters are supposed to be just to put you know <laughs> for symmetry you are that that identity now we have done the first three verses we've done 1 2 3 last 2 uh, weeks ago if you remember those who remember four verses let's start with the fourth one we can chant after me manyase yaditat shakyam manyase yaditat shakyam maya drashtum iti prabho maya drashtum iti prabho ಯೋಗೀಶ್ವರೀಸ್ಟ್ರಿಚುಲ್ಸೈನ್ ಆತ್ಮನ್ you reveal to me that you are an avatar your incarnation of god not the hollywood kind <laughs> incarnation of god and you have revealed to me the glories of um, of god in the 10th chapter where to see god in this universe now i would like to see that cosmic form of yours what's the distinction between the 10th chapter and the 11th chapter in the 10th chapter which is called vibhuti yoga the yoga of divine glories he says you think how to meditate upon god with eyes open kabir das very beautifully khule khule nayan dekhu sahab ko i see my lord with eyes open but how to meditate upon god with eyes open what krishna did was give a list of some of the wonderful stuff that we see in the world and think of god as that 
So let the sun remind you of me. Let the Himalayan mountain, Mount Meru, among mountains, I'm Mount Meru, among rivers, I'm the Ganga, among water bodies, I'm the ocean, and so on and so forth. Um, but here, the entire universe is the body of God and actually experiencing it. So Arjuna knows that this is a special experience he's asking for. You can't just see it with these eyes. So he's asking, if you think that I can see it, because I know, I can't see it without your grace. And he knows whom he's asking, Yogeshwara. You are the master of yoga. And you are capable of granting the divine vision. Avatara has this capacity. The capacity to give us a direct God experience. Um, so Sri Ramakrishna often did that. There are many examples, if you see the life of Sri Ramakrishna, quite liberally, he would touch people and they would have a vision of God in various different ways. Um, so, in fact, 1st January 1886 when he, is when he did that most obviously, that is celebrated in India as Kalpataru Devas, the wish-fulfilling tree day, 1st January, especially in Bengal, it's become a huge festival. And very strategically, the date is chosen also, the first beginning of the year. Everybody wants to begin the year with a holy kind of, you know. So they go on pilgrimage and to the Kali temple, to the birthplace, of, uh, to the place where Sri Ramakrishna did that. He gave that vision to so many people who came to him that day, 1st January 1886. So 1st January now is um, a very holy day, especially in Bengal now, and in more and more across the world. And then Sri Krishna says, yes, since you, you've asked for it, I'm going to give it to you, <laughs> that vision. Fifth verse. Shri Bhagavan Uvacha, Shri Bhagavan Uvacha, Pashyami Partharupani, Pashyami Partharupani, Shata Shotha Sahasrasha, Shata Shosha Sahasrasha, Nana Vidhani Divyani, Nana Vidhani Divyani, Nana Varna Kritinicha, Nana Varna Kritinicha. The Blessed Lord said, See my various divine forms, O Partha of diverse hues and shapes by the hundreds and thousands. So by the hundreds and thousands, not that he's going to see hundreds and thousands of divine forms, one form, and that includes all kinds of what we consider to be worldly, this material universe, also many divine visions. Uh, and he's alerting Arjuna that I'm going to give you a special vision. So that's the description in the 11th chapter. It's a very special chapter um, which describes a powerful, very powerful mystical vision which Arjuna got by the grace of Krishna. This also shows that this universe is not the only reality. So mystics experience various divine visions and those are reality also. Not only also, from the mystics perspective those are real much more than this what we see here. We are sort of sleepwalking through life and they are the ones who are awake. <laughs> there are so many stories about Sri Ramakrishna. He would fly off into these uh, ecstatic trances 
one day, um, I think it was Girish Babu, or who was, or Ram Babu, I think, who was taking him in Calcutta in a coach, in a horse carriage. And uh, Sri Ramakrishna was in a, in a mystic trance, Bhav Samadhi. And then the horse carriage had an accident, the axle broke. And Sri Ramakrishna later said, luckily everybody was safe, nobody was hurt. So Sri Ramakrishna uh, said later that I was in this mystic, uh, I was having this experience of Ravana was taking away Sita in his flying chariot and Rama's devotee, the bird Jatayu, attacked and destroyed the chariot. And the gentleman who was taking Sri Ramakrishna says, Baba, if you keep doing this, it will be dangerous to travel with you. <laughs> So he has this experience and it affects the actual world, the, the physical material world, something happens. <laughs> then number, uh, number six. Pashyadityan vasun rudran Pashadityan Vasun Rudran Ashwino Marutas Tatha Ashwino Marutas Tatha Bahunyadrishtapur Vani Bahunyadrishtapur Vani Pashasharyani Bharata Pashasharyani Bharata See the Adityas, the Vasus, the Rudras, the two Ashwins and the Maruts see many wonderful forms never seen before or descendant of Bharata. So he's naming various uh, deities worshipped in Hinduism. Now these deities, the Devatas, which are called Devas in Hinduism, they are not God as such. They are, uh, literally the word Deva means shining being. So they are very high uh, beings, much superior to human beings. But anybody can become a Deva for a while. Everything is for a while, just as we are human beings for a while. So by good karma, one can go to many of these heavens and maybe become a Deva like that. They are basically the powers of this universe. Now remember, the entire universe is God. If the table and the chair are also God, we are our, our physical bodies are also God. In that case, the Devas also are God. But they are, of course, very superior manifestations of God. That's why he's saying, because these things, what he's talking about, He's not saying to Arjuna, see my cosmic form, look at, here is the table and the chair or the chariot and the horse and the elephant there, you see them all in me. No, not like that. He's saying that all the, the these deities whom you worship, they are all within my cosmic form. Take a look. I'll hold on to the questions. We'll, don't forget. So see the Adityas, the Vasus, the Rudras, the two Ashwins, the Maruts, they're all found in the Vedic cosmology as various devatas. So they, these devatas have two aspects. One is they are in charge of various cosmic powers in the universe, you know, the thunder and the sun and the moon and so on and so forth. And they are in charge of the powers in our body. So the capacity to see, hear, smell, taste, touch, the capacity to think and feel, the capacity to work, the strength of the body, all of those, there are devatas in, in charge of these uh, different powers of the body. Then number seven. So see within me all of this. So Krishna is now describing what you're going to see. He has, hasn't seen it yet. It's like a, like a trailer. 
Be alert. Alert to what? What? You will see within me. Number seven. Ihai kastham jagat kritsnam. Ihai kastham jagat kritsnam. Pashadya sacharacharam. Pashadya sacharacharam. Mama dehe guda kesha. Mama dehe guda kesha. See this day, here, today. The entire universe with movable and immovable objects united here in this my body. O Gurakesha Arjuna. And anything else that you may like to see. So, not only the divine forms of the various deities, but this physical universe also. So now he comes down to this, you know, this battlefield and all the soldiers and elephants and the sky and the earth and the rivers. All of that, moving and unmoving, living and non-living, all of that see within me, this one divine being. What does that mean? The universe which we are seeing, that is within God, in, united in one being. Um, so the way we are seeing this universe is in slices of time and space. Right now you are seeing this hall, this uh, shrine. Just a little while ago you were seeing um, you know, Central Park West Avenue or something. So different time, different place, but we see slices of it. And that's what we do all our life. As we wander through life, not only this life, lifetimes. We wander through oceans of time and space. But little by little, little by little. But suppose you could see all of that. At once, here, now. The entire universe, all billions, I keep saying we are the seven billion human beings. Somebody pointed out to me, they are, we are eight billion now, Swami. All right then, eight billion human beings and other billions of other sentient beings, um, you know, animals and plants, and the gods in the heavens and demons in hell and all sentient beings, the entire universe, living and non-living, all in one being. And that being takes a look at you, notices you, <laughs> yes, looks back at you, and be terrified. Yes, that would be Arjuna's reaction. Um, he is overcome with devotion. He is awestruck, but also terror-struck later on. But that's what he's going to see. The commentator here, I'm reading from Sridhar Swami's commentary. It's a very simple Sanskrit commentary written about 600 years ago. The commentator says, what I just said now. I'm just actually quoting him. He says, Tatra Tatra Paribrahmata Varsha Koti Bhirapi Wandering there, here and there, different worlds for millions of years. Drashtu Mashakyam Kritsnamapi Even then you cannot see the whole altogether. You cannot see it. You cannot exhaust this universe and let alone this universe and let alone exhaust this universe. You can't see everything and certainly you can't see everything all at once. The entirety of the universe, with his entire living and non-living beings, jagat iha asmin, this uh, this world, asmin mama, in my dehe, in my body, avayava rupen, as parts of me, as parts of my cosmic body, ekatraeva sthitam, at in one place, localized in space, now, uh, in one place, adunaeva, now. So in space and time, located here and now, you will see the entire universe as me. 
I. It's not just a collection of all things. It's a consciousness, just like this is not just a collection of body parts. There is consciousness behind it. This individual being called Sarva Priyananda, who is, who is now present before you in this collection of hands and feet and tummy and head and all of that. Similarly, this vast universe, the one consciousness identified with everything, which is known as Virat, the vast, or Vishwarupa, the cosmic form, you will see now. Then number eight. So he says, O Arjuna, Ihai Kastam, right here, all together, Jagat Krishna, entire world, Chacharacharam, moving and non-living, non-moving living beings, you know, plants and animals and all of that. Mamadehe, in as my body, in my body, you will see. At once, Ekasha, Yatcha Anyadrashtumichas. And if you want to see other things, apart from this universe, you want to see forms of gods and goddesses, all, all of that, that also you will see. Number eight. Natumam shakyase drashtum Natumam shakyase drashtum Ane naiva swachakshusham Ane naiva swachakshusham Divyam dadamite chakshu Divyam dadamite chakshu Pashyame yoga maishwaram. Pashyame yoga maishwaram. But you will not be able to see me just with these eyes of yours. I am giving unto you the celestial eye. Behold my divine miracle. So divya chakshu. Divya, divine, chakshu, eyes. Um, sometimes also represented as a third eye. The eye of Shiva opening and so on. It's the eye of knowledge. But remember, it's also a mystic vision. It's n we have understood now. I understand the theory behind it. God is the material cause, cause of this universe, the theology behind it. God is immanent in this universe, just as wood is immanent in the table and water in the wave. So God is immanent in this universe. So therefore, when I'm seeing this universe, in some sense, I must be experiencing God. We have understood that, but that's not what is meant here. He will actually see, have a mm. tremendous, vivid, not just one experience, not vague, not uh, abstract, uh, not speculation, not a nice theory, but, but um, an experience and what an experience. Some of the most awesome poetry will ensue now. And imagine the person who actually sees it. That will probably be the most awesome experience he's ever had, he will ever have in his whole life. So... Um, I think I did mention it. This rather impressive gentleman, a philosopher, and also a spiritual practitioner, I saw many, many years ago. Govinda Gopal Mukhopadhyay. Uh, he has passed away now. He was a Vaish great Vaishnava scholar also. I, I uh, had the occasion to hear him speak at a conference. I remember having said this in the class, but anyway, let me repeat it in this, on this, uh, in this context. So the conference was about mystical experience. So the psychology of mystical experience, philosophy behind it, neuroscience behind it, what not. So there were um, um, philosophers, there were um, scholars and so on and so forth, doctors. Uh, and this Govinda Gopal he was also there. And he was discussing the mystical experience of one Yogi Krishna Prem. I think Yogi Krishna Prem, I think he was, he was a white person. He was, uh, 
either British or American. He will, he went to India and he stayed there the rest of his life. He became a great devotee of Krishna. That's why he was called Yogi Krishna Prem. And he actually had mystic visions of Krishna. Now he's this um, Govinda Gopal Babu, so he was giving a talk. I still remember, it was very vivid. He was a very powerful speaker. In fact, he pushed away the microphone. He said, I don't need a microphone. He didn't. He had a booming voice which carried over the whole hall. <laughs> and he said, mystic experience. I'm quoting him. I can still recall what he said. Mystic experience is real, not speculation, not abstractions, not theories, which was all that we were doing before that, before that talk. What we are discussing is real. And look, and then he reads out from Yogi Krishna Prem's account of his vision of Krishna. Actually seeing uh, the blue hue, this form of uh, divine form. And he says, I could see the peacock feather and the flute and all of that. And de describes it in detail. Another interesting thing this gentleman said, Govinda Gopal Mukhopadhyay, I still remember. He had a very dramatic way of speaking. So he was a very dramatic man. <laughs> He said, uh, I remember from my personal experience when I grew up in our little uh, village many, many decades ago. When he spoke this, he was more than 80, 80 years, in his mid-80s. When I grew up, I was, as a little kid, I used to go to uh, our neighbor's house. We used to play there. And the lady of the house, whom I regarded as an aunt, uh, she took care of us, as they do in a village. Everybody's kid is, you take care of everybody's kids. They took care of us. She bathed me. I would uh, go to sleep on her lap. She fed me. Uh, and I remember lying with my head on her lap. She used to go into these mystic, mystic trances. And it was quite common. People of the village knew this. People in the family knew it. I had seen it myself. And then he said, and the world today knows her as Anandamayima. As Anandamayima. So, he, as a kid, he actually, uh, Anandamayima fed him, bathed him, played with him, and she went to sleep on her lap and so on. <laughs> Those of you know about Anandamayima, she was a great woman mystic uh, in the, uh, up to the 80s. I think she passed away in the 80s probably. In India. So you cannot see it with these eyes. And here the commentator says, Yaduktam Arjuna Namanyase Yaditat Shakyam. This refers to what Arjuna had referred uh, had said in the uh, in his question. If you think I can see. So Arjuna knew. That I cannot see that this way. That I, it, it's impossible for me. You have to give me that vision. And Krishna agrees. Yes, you cannot see it uh, the, with your physical eyes. I shall give you that power, that mystical vision by which you will be able to see. It's some kind of uh, capacity. Some. Uh, it's not that uh, to be a spiritual person, highly spiritual person also, you have to have these mystic visions. Some have it, some don't have it. <coughs> Among Sri Ramakrishna's disciples, Swami Brahmananda was well known. Sri Ramakrishna, of course, had many, many mystical visions uh, every day almost. Uh, somebody called him a super mystic. 
Swami Brahmananda was prone to many kinds of mystical experiences. Swami Vigyanananda also, and he would joke. He said that um, my head is a little heated, you know, that I and Brahmananda, we, ha we have these mystical experiences. And it's curious who has them and who does not have them. For example, one of Sri Ramakrishna's own disciples, Swami Premananda, who was a great devotee. Uh, Sri Ramakrishna said, you will have jnana, not these bhava, mystical bhavas. And so, if you uh, see the life of uh, Premananda and his character, you would feel he, this is the prime candidate for mystical experiences because he was full of devotion for God. But he was supposed to be a jnani. Jnani means uh, he would have the knowledge of reality, but not particular mystical visions, visions of this God, this way or that way. Visions of various deities, of various forms of God. The commentator here says, what is this uh, divine uh, I, uh, the Jnana Chakshu, Divyam ch Divya Chakshu, the uh, commentator says, Divyam Alokikam Jnanatmakam Chakshu Tubhyam Dadami. I am going to give you this uh, divine which is not earthly. Jnanatmakam. What do these, uh, th this divine eye, what does it uh, consist of? Consists of knowledge. But remember, knowledge here, when we see what happened to Arjuna, knowledge here does not mean literally the kind of understanding. Now we have the understanding, but that does not mean we are getting a vision of the cosmic form. And maybe we are lucky that we are not. <laughs> there is something in the Old Testament that no mortal can look upon me and live. It's there. That if I reveal this form to you, to you, form means the experience. If you look upon the face of God, you cannot live. You will not continue to live anymore. And then, now what happens? Sri Krishna shows him this cosmic form. The Vishwarupa, the Virata, whatever is uh, mentioned here. And then to introduce this, Sanjaya. Who is Sanjaya? He is the one who is narrating the whole story of Mahabharata, including the Bhagavad Gita, to the blind emperor Dhritarashtra. Now, Dhritarashtra asks Sanjaya, what did my sons and their cousins, the sons of Pandu, what did they do in the battlefield of Kurukshetra? And Sanjaya starts narrating this. How does he narrate it? So it's like he's a satellite feed, you know, so he can... Breaking news, CNN and all. <laughs> so he was given the power, special power of seeing from a distance. And curiously, he also seems to be seeing what uh, Krishna showed Arjuna. So either Sanjay also got the power to see what Arjuna was seeing, uh, though nobody else in the battlefield around saw anything like that. Or uh, Sanjay is being used by the poet, the sage uh, Vyasa, who wrote the Mahabharata, to express, I mean, he's like the voice of the poet who is expressing what Arjuna might have seen. And later on, we will see in Arjuna's own voice, he's narrating what he is seeing. And then he's also narrating his own experience, uh, his own reaction to seeing that, that form. But first, Sanjay, he is telling the king, or the emperor, blind emperor, that this is what's happening. Krishna said he will show this form, and now he is doing it. Sanjay Vacha 
महायोगेश्वरो हरिः महायोगेश्वरो हरिः दर्शयामास पाथाय Sanjaya said, O king, having spoken thus, Hari, the great lord of yoga, next showed to Partha the supreme divine form. Sanjaya also knows very well who Krishna is. He's the master, lord of yoga, God, an avatar, incarnation of God. What did he show? Aneka Vaktra Nayanam Aneka Vaktra Nayanam Aneka Adbhuta Darshanam Aneka Adbhuta Darshanam Aneka Divya Bharanam Aneka Divya Bharanam Divya Nekod Divya Nekodyatam Yudham Divya Nekodyatam Yudham Having many mouths and eyes and containing many a wonderful sight with many heavenly ornaments and wielding many heavenly uplifted weapons. So the description, those who have grown up in India, you have seen these depictions in artwork, in comics for kids. So it's like a giant man with lots of heads and hands and eyes. That's really scary. But basically what it is, is literally this. So what I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing many heads and many eyes and many arms and no, not many heavenly weapons uplifted. But uh, so it's basically the cosmos, but seen as one being. That's what he's seen. Aneka Vaktra, many mouths, many eyes, uh, many wonderful visions, many wonderful on divine ornaments, Divya Aneka, Ayudha. That means weapons, Udyata, lifted with divine weapons. And then number 11. What else? Divya Malyam Baradharam Divya Malyam Baradharam Divya Gandhanu Lepanam Divya Gandhanu Lepanam Sarvascharya mayam devam, Sarvascharya mayam devam, Anantam vishvato mukham, Anantam vishvato mukham, wearing celestial garlands and apparel, anointed with heavenly perfumes, full of wonders, resplendent, infinite, and having faces on every side. Anantam, infinity here means, the commentator says, aparichinnam, not divided. So am I seeing a cosmic form in one sense, but it's all divided. I see you as a collection of different people, but not as one being. But here he's seeing it without any division. Vishvato sarvato mukhani yasmin tat. Sarvato mukham means facing in every direction. Or everywhere the faces of the same divine. Sri Ramakrishna once 
told us, gave us a hint what it's like to be um, an enlightened person of, of this kind of experience. Vast crowds. Uh, often you'll think a spiritual person is somebody who would avoid vast crowds, uh, crowds of any kind. They would be retiring in mountains or caves or ashrams and they dislike crowds. And it's true also. It can be disturbing. However, for an enlightened person, their, their point of view is quite different. So Sri Ramakrishna used to go into delight when he would see large crowds of people. And he said, what it's like is, he said, look, a chandelier. So at that time, the British rule had come in India and they had bought chandeliers in there. Uh, it was in style. So chandelier, Jhar Pradeep, mm. chandelier. So lots of glass and re all reflecting light. A central light is reflected, all shimmering and uh, flickering. So he sees all these people like a vast chandelier. It's one light shining in all these ways. Here, look, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, uh, thinking of here, everywhere. Aye, 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 aye. So these are uh, lights, the one light shining in all beings. It's one unity. A radiant unity on all beings. And it's a great delight for an enlightened person. They don't feel that I have to retreat from this. Oh, what a burden. So, so many people. Somebody said, I love humanity. It's people that I can't stand. <laughs> no, not in the theoretical sense. Really. He loves humanity in the sense he loves the, the divine which is coming to him as all, not just human, also all living beings, all kinds of living beings. Why only living beings? There's a very instructive story of a broomstick. So Holy Mother Sharada Devi in her village home, somebody was sweeping the courtyard with a broom. And then after sweeping, tossed it aside to its corner. And the mother immediately stopped this, I think, um, young man or lady, whoever it was. And she said, what's this? Don't do that. T she picked it up and kept it carefully. This too has its own dignity, she said. <laughs> Don't treat it like that. Then the twelfth verse, very beautiful verse, stunning. Divi Surya Sahasrasya Divi Surya Sahasrasya Bhavet Yuga Paduttita Bhavet Yuga Paduttita Yadi Sadrishi Sasyad Yadi Sadrishi Sasyad Bhasas Tasya Mahatmanaha Bhasas Tasya Mahatmanaha if the effulgence of a thousand suns were to appear in the sky simultaneously, it might compare somewhat with the splendor of that great form. So, imagine one sun in the sky. If you see two suns in the sky, ten suns in the sky, a thousand suns, we'll see, we'd be burned to a crisp. We'd go blind, we'd be burned to a crisp. Yes, in material light, of course. But this is not a light that will blind you or burn you to a crisp. It's light of consciousness, it's awareness. But it all together, so much sentience, this awesome presence. The only way the poet could think of comparing it is uh, if a thousand suns were to rise simultaneously in the sky together. Sahasra Surya, 
Yugapat together. Such was the splendor of that magnificent form, of that great one. He says, Mahatmana, of that great one. Just, uh, I mean, in passing, right now because of that uh, film which has become pretty famous, Oppenheimer, and uh, in the at when he first saw the atom bomb explosion, he quoted from the Gita. I don't know which verse he quoted, uh, but this would be the perfect verse to quote. To see the burst of the first uh, bursting of the first atom bomb, the trial which was done, I think in New Mexico, first one. Uh, so when he saw that, so like a thousand suns rising in the sky, but I think he quoted something like "Kalo was me, then I am the I am time. I am come time, the destroyer of worlds." Uh, but he knew the Gita. I wonder, did he quote it in the Sanskrit original or because uh, he knew Sanskrit? He studied Sanskrit in Sanskrit. Or? But this is a uh, amazing imagery, and the commentator here he says nanya upama There is no other uh, metaphor or analogy that can be used, mm. except a thousand suns rising in the sky together. Now you can imagine why, when Sri Ramakrishna used to have those visions, one thing they noted one was he would become as still as a picture again and again. That thing is given like a photograph. He would become still like that. And doctors, Dr. Mahindral Sarkar and others examined him. His pulse stopped. Heartbeat stopped. His eyes wouldn't flicker. Mahindral Sarkar actually did the eyeball test, which is impossible to fake. He touched the eyeball. No, no reaction. It's like the person is dead. It's not there. And yet, it's not a kind of suffering or anything. This, uh, those have seen, they say, as if joy is bursting forth from this person. As if he says, it looks he looked like a ripe pumpkin about to burst. <laughs> he, that's such extraordinary joy in his face is unforgettable. Once you see it, all your life you'll remember it. This thousand suns rising in the sky. And Sri Ramakrishna, you could see it again and again, day after day. If you saw this uh, demonstrated in front of you, another thing they repeat. In the descriptions of when they saw Sri Ramakrishna Samadhi, every hair of his body would stand on its end. Hair, and every hair of the body would stand on its end. Mm -hmm. So, I have. Uh, come across some people who have actually had such deep not of this extreme nature but such deep mystical experiences um, one such was Swami Gambhiranandaji who was the 11th president of our order so I remember Swami Shivamayanji told us this story and I have shared it at other times with you I think one day when I, I was a monastic novice this was about 20 years more than 20 years ago 25 years ago um, in Sharada Peet near Belugmat. So the Swami, he was leaving us and going on to another assignment. So he called all the monks together. There were a lot of monks in there. It's a very big ashram. So there were maybe 30, 40 monks and brahmacharis. And I was a brahmachari at that time. And then he told us to inspire us in monastic life. He said, you know, what is the standard of a monk? What people expect from you? Many years ago, 
when Swami Gambhirananda, who went on to become the 11th president of our order, but at that time he was not the president. I heard that somebody had confirmed that Gambhirananda had a mystic experience of God. So this Swami who told us, he said, I wasn't one to take rumors, you know how rumors get exaggerated. So I decided to ask him. So I went straight to him and asked, Swami, Maharaj, have you had this experience? Have you seen God? <laughs> and Swami Gambhirananda was famous for being a man of few words and of a very impressive and um, very reserved personality. The Sanskrit word Gambhira means profound and reserved. So that, <laughs> that he was really lived up to his name. So he immediately he dismissed this. He said, what kind of talk is this? Let me go. And this Swami said to us, I wouldn't let him go. I blocked his way. He said, I won't let you go until you tell me. And then finally, Gambhiranji relent relented and he said that, these are the exact words in Bengali, Bhagavan Darshan Man, Ishwar Darshan Man, what do you mean by, or what do you understand by uh, the vision of God? Every time I close my eyes, I have the living, the living form of my Ishta Devata, living form of God blazes forth in my heart. So whenever I close my eyes, I, I have this experience of the indwelling uh, Ishwara Bhagavan who's we meditate in the lotus of the heart. So that that is this is a living experience, not an imagination. Without effort. Just uh, he has to close the eyes and he can, immediately it's there. All the time effortlessly. And then he says, Tabi Aiki Shab, is this all? Sharvabhute Brahmadarshan Kottahabe na? Don't we if we still have to see Brahman in all beings. You know that in a, all beings is the same divine. Again, those three uh, levels of, I talked about three levels of understanding God, but there can be three levels of experiencing God also. Anyway, that's just, I was reminded of that. Then what happened after that? 11, uh, 13. Tatraikastham jagat kritsnam Tatraikastham jagat kritsnam Pravibhaktam mane kadham then the son of Pandu, that is Arjuna, saw the entire universe with its manifold divisions united there in the body of the God of Gods. Deva Deva, God of Gods, means Ishvara, the one God, Brahman, not the lower gods. So the one God of this universe, the entire universe united in one being, and that is the body of God. This is called Virat or Vishwarupa. One more person will stop. Fourteenth. Tata sa vismaya vishto, Tata sa vismaya vishto, Rishta Roma Dhananjaya, Rishta Roma Dhananjaya, Pranamya Shirasa Devam, Pranamya Shirasa Devam, Kritanjali Rabhashata, Kritanjali Rabhashata. Then Dhananjaya, that is Arjuna, filled with wonder and his hair standing on end, uh, bowing his head before the bowing his head before the Lord, said with joined palms. Joined palms, he said. What did he say? We'll see next time. But <laughs> overcome with wonder, stunned, 
And notice, hair standing on end. Now, all of this we might have taken as poetry. If it were not for someone like Sri Ramakrishna demonstrating it again and again, it's not, he was not demonstrating as a demonstration. He would go into these uh, visions and others could see. And many, many people at that time, those who visited him, they often saw him at all hours of the day. It's not just seeing something. Everybody around also felt this in, indescribable uplifting of spirit, of, of the feeling of the divine present. Something very divine, something extraordinary was present there which they couldn't see. Sri Ramakrishna could see. And look at the description. Every hair on the body standing on its end. He, he bowed his head and with hands folded spoke. Spoke to, you know, spoke to God. <laughs> All right. Uh, there were some questions. Did you still remember? Or are, you, are you too odd to re remember your question? Okay, ask. Oh. Wait for the microphone. They'll give you a microphone. Uh, I'm also the booming voice. So <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they need for it everybody. for the recording. Oh, there's a lot of people here. I didn't notice. Yeah. Okay. Tell so us your name and ask the question. I'm Arvind Jayakumar. Yes. Nice to meet everybody here. Um, just as a first like preliminary matter, how what's the proper way to address you? If you were in my shoes, what would you say? Swami. Swami. In okay. India, they say Maharaj. You can call me Swami. Okay, Swami. So, Swami. Um, one thing you mentioned was that uh, you said devatas are superior. Yeah. In what sense do you mean superior? What does superior mean? Superior means they are superior in their um, bodily equipment, in their karma, in their lifespan, in their experiences, powers, in all sorts of natural uh, and supernatural ways. But they're not superior spiritually. Okay. Okay. They are beings like us, but like. We might be superior to, um, you know, a dog or a cat or a or an, uh, you know, uh, a little ant. We are physically superior. We have, we have extraordinary powers and capacities. What about intellectually? Intellectually also might be. Yeah. So they have, they have capacities of all their senses are supposed to be heightened. So intellectually, uh, yes, also. They're literally the it means a shining being, deva. I have lots, but... All right, so we'll give somebody else a chance. There's a lady yeah. here. Raise your hand so they can give you the microphone. Can you pass the microphone down? Yeah. Thank Tell you. us your name and ask the question. Pranam Swamiji. Uh, my name is Janavi. I had a question about Shlok number seven, uh, in which uh, you said that all movable and immovable objects, uh, he, he saw within one being, as oh. one being. Uh, at the same time, you said that this was not the ultimate Advaitic realization. Yes. So, uh, does this imply that the Vishishta Advaitic realization culminates here at this point? I don't even know if this is a Vishishta Advaitic realization. Not even that. Mm. It's Remember, Arjuna is still seeing himself as different from this. Mm. I, remaining as Arjuna, I'm having this, what Americans might call a mind-blowing experience, an extraordinary experience. Nowadays, they tell me it's uh, available in Ayoska camps in uh, New, New Mexico. <laughs> but mind-blowing experience. But he is still the same. He is, of course, uplifted. He is very inspired, and he'll never forget it all his life. And he knows for certain now that this person, Krishna, is actually an incarnation of God. So it's no longer theory to him. So it, it's, it's a, 
Um, could you call it a Vishishtadvaitic experience? In one sense, yes, because the language of part and whole is used. Amsha Amshi, Shesha Sheshi. Um, the Vishishtadvaita says this entire universe is one reality and one divine reality. There's an organic divine reality here. So we all, living beings and non-living beings, sentient beings and all non-sentient things, uh, we are all parts or um, you know, organically unite, united in Brahman. And Brahman is, is bigger than all of us also. So in Sanskrit, chit achit vishishta brahma, vishishta advaita. So the non-duality, the qualified non-duality of Brahman, but qualified by what? Qualified by sentient beings and non-insentient non beings, living beings and non-living beings. By the way, the sacharachara, moving and non-moving, refers to living beings only. Um, so plants which do not move and the rest which move around. And then he also adds jagat, the entire insentient world. All of it is part of the divine, in, in one divine being. And the Advaitic realization would be, I am that. But then that requires negation of the cosmos and of the individual, of the vast and the small, and the reality of that one background consciousness only. Then only I am that is possible, otherwise it's not possible. Yeah. Yes, you. I remember you, Ram Gopal. But for the microphone, we just tell the, your name and ask the question. Uh, hello, Swamiji. This is Ram Gopal. Um, my question was, uh, what is the difference between uh, uh, this and Savikalpa Samadhi, uh, this experience of Arjuna? This is a Samadhi, but this is induced by the grace of Krishna. This is not, uh, not by his own sadhana, which is one of the reasons why he was so terrified. We will see later. And he, he couldn't hold on to it, nor will he be able to achieve it again without that grace again. He can achieve it again later on, maybe through his own sadhana, if he does spiritual practices. But uh, this was not earned, it was given. So if it can be given, then why doesn't God give all of us? It's because exactly the reason why Arjuna couldn't bear it. There are a number of experiences in Sri Ramakrishna's case also, where people importuned him, you know, nagged, nagged him, that you can give it, we, can, we have seen you giving it to the... Give it to us also. Yeah. And, uh, and some of them actually got it. But almost in every case, they were terrified. They were um, shocked. They prayed to Sri Ramakrishna to take it back. Yeah. His own uh, nephew, Ridayaram, who was a very, he was a very strange character. I mean, in one sense, spiritual, really devoted to Sri Ramakrishna, but also very worldly. Uh, so... He loved and served Sri Ramakrishna, but also tried to control him. And he he liked doing it because a lot of important people came to visit Sri Ramakrishna. And Ridharam was a, a village lad, and he really enjoyed that reflected glory. You know. In any case, he also noticed that some of those people who are really spiritual and seeking spirituality, they seem to get the same mystical experiences his uncle got, Sri Ramakrishna, his uncle. And by the grace of Sri Ramakrishna, they got those experiences too. So he said, you're my uncle. Why are you leaving me out? And he kept on nagging Sri Ramakrishna, give me. And Sri Ramakrishna would at first dismiss these things by saying it when the mother's mother wills, it will happen. And, uh, but Ridayaram knew his uncle only too well. He knew that if Sri Ramakrishna wanted it, it would happen. So he kept nagging him until one day Sri Ramakrishna touched him and he had this 
extraordinary experience and in his own words he suddenly said oh ramakrishna so in in bengali and like all in indian languages there are different ways of addressing a superior and um, of your person of your own status or someone inferior or a child so he changed the address like addressing sri ramakrishna is just like himself you know oh ramakrishna what is this wonder we are beings of light uh, he just sees himself he sees that he and sri ramakrishna are the same uh, we are beings of light let us go why are we here let us go from land to land and liberate humanity and sri ramakrishna said hush you fool <laughs> i have these experiences morning and evening every day and with this little bit you're making such a fuss keep quiet and then he touched ridher ram and said in bengali there is no other way of putting it jodo uh, that uh, you rascal become become inert or insentient again like throwing a switch it all went off it disappeared in a moment and ridher ram said oh uncle what have you done uh, so they couldn't bear it but it is samadhi definitely it is samadhi it's uh, equivalent to some kind of sabhikalpa samadhi and a very high and powerful kind uh this lady here and then that young man and we'll conclude lady up front raise your hand he will swami ji uh, my name is parama so my question is about the three levels and finally advaita so ishta devata isn't that the first level because you're unify uh, you're relating to one particular god or one particular ishto mm. like and then if that's and our aspiration is go to uh, is to go to advaita so is that yes. right to start with the ishta devata because true but remember what happens when your understanding becomes higher and you realize all the ishta devatas all the forms in which god is worshiped they are all the same what do you do do you abandon your ishta devata not at all your understanding now becomes i am worshiping god in this form and this is god but so also is the one who worships rama or krishna or ramakrishna or shiva or durga or kali or jesus or the father in heaven or jehova or allah they all are worshiping exactly the same reality they are not mem- members all these are not members of an exclusive uh, club huh? no they are all different forms conceptions and they are not imagined by us by the way they're not imagined by us they are they they have been a god has been experienced in these ways by humanity by saints and mystics of different religions so now when you go to the second level that it is the same god which appears as the ishta devata of all beings or as gods in all religions um you still continue to worship the same ishta devata same practice continues but your understanding of the ishta devata has now uh, expanded this ishta devata this krishna ramakrishna is also durga is also kali is also that then when you go to the third level this one this ishta devata is indeed this this entire universe is within my ishta uh, krishna or uh, this is a whole universe is my ishta devata and then you see this ishta devata in every being in every being the divine in the hearts krishna will say i am in the hearts of all beings so like ram ramakrishna said like a chandelier sparkling with consciousness all beings are like that but then you go further and you may realize i am brahman but then i am that ishtar one reality then it will happen like the story of the lower bird and the higher bird in mundaka upanishad 
the lower bird hops up the uh, tree branches and go goes towards the higher bird and when it comes close to the higher bird who sits on top of the tree neither eating fruits nor moving just shining when the lower bird comes and the lower bird is lost in the effulgence of the higher bird and then you realize there was only one bird the higher bird alone was there so that's um, you realize i am that somebody asked in fact swami akhandananda asked sri ramakrishna that uh, um what is the relationship between god the god we worship and the brahman of vedanta and sri ramakrishna told him and tell you the exact bengali and then translate jejar ishto shetar atma whoever is your ishta devata that is the atman that is sachidananda brahman it doesn't seem to be so because ishta devata is with a name and a form with the mantra and things like that and sachidananda seems to be an absolute existence consciousness place but it's the same reality jejar ishto shetar atma i asked the same thing to swami nirmuktananda ji many many years ago he was a very old monk of our order and when i asked him he was uh, nearly 100 years old 98 or 99 he was sitting in the mother's temple next to the ganga in front of the ganga and i asked him this question that uh, maharaj we are given a mantra by the guru and the ishta devata when home we meditate and worship and repeat the mantra and in vedanta we re- we read about the atman witness consciousness sachidananda what's the connection between are they two different approaches what's the connection then he said to me because he had served swami akhandananda akhandananda means the disciple of sri ramakrishna so this swami nirmuktananda had actually served and seen and stayed with swami akhandananda so he told me that haven't you heard what sri ramakrishna said whoever is your ishta that is the atman that is your atman yes this young man you can pass on the microphone raise your hand yeah that will be the last question. Uh, good evening Swamiji. Uh my name is Madhav. Uh Swamiji, my question is ab- about um divine and mis- mystic uh, experiences, more specifically uh the form that a god might take in these experiences. Um would the form or manifestation of god in a divine experience be influenced by by text or by illustration? And yes, and sec- it would be. And secondly, um I'm just out of curiosity what would uh such a manifestation look like without s- a preconception of their form and shape right so would it be experienced by culture and all? yes it would be there is an imprint on the divine of our own minds and whatever is in the seeds in that mind is but i- is it an imagination in that case what i'm asking is is um, shiva or durga are they like superman and batman or something you know like uh, fancy imaginations no no why aren't the imaginations because the same reality has been experienced in that form by many many mystics those who have practiced in that way but that still means practiced in that way means isn't it that a particular culture people of that culture who read about god in that form and have worshiped god in that way for generations centuries even millennia they get have a tendency to experience god in that form that's entirely true sri ramakrishna put it very beautifully he gave us such a beautiful answer he he liked modern technology he would be fascinated by the iphone today but everything he related to god realization so they showed him how a, or they told explained to you know, they showed him how a photograph is taken so in those days they had this photographic plate and they would put silver nitrate over it and then the the image would be captured so sri ramakrishna said it's just like taking a photograph if you put the 
that mixture of that uh, silver nitrate actually an image will be captured but if you do not he says only white light will stream through radiance will stream through if you do not do that so what is that mixture he said that powder he says that is love devotion bhakti so if you have a personal devotional relationship with god and that is only that's very culture specific so the elements are there and that then you experience god in that way so to me if i love jesus god will appear to me as jesus if i love krishna god will appear to me as krishna so we said within why can't i make up my own god you cannot i remember we were in at once years ago in rutgers university in this interfaith program in the q and a session one young man he said i still remember this one of the most unique questions i've um, faced he said um thank you for your deliberations guys guys means i was there in some other uh, a christian <laughs> theology and some others thank you for your deliberations guys so i am uh, i am founding a religion he's starting his own religion <laughs> so he has some questions i thought good luck with that <laughs> you can't make it up these are passed down through generations in a particular civilization um so yeah there is an element of reality which which is beyond our minds but you have to impregnate your minds with that reality so that that's the format in which you will see god but that is not the reality of god itself god itself is appearing to you in that way is you are experiencing not that you are not experiencing god you are experiencing god but then your question is suppose you don't do any of that is it still possible to experience god if you could in the advaitic way for example but that sri ramakrishna says is like white light streaming through no image will be captured no personal relationship will be there only that light will be there so there will be nothing objective left there anymore it's a very subtle question all right om shanti 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 hari om tat sat श्री राम कृष्णा रूपण मस्तु